Welcome to the Starting Points Podcast, a podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. Starting Points is meant to be a primer on each of the books of the Bible. It's a starting point into your study of God's Word. Today we're going to look at the book of Genesis. Genesis means origin or the formation of something. It means beginnings. So the book of Genesis is a book about beginnings. It was written as all the first five books of the Bible were by Moses. Yeah, the same guy who crossed the Red Sea and did the whole, you know, Pharaoh let my people go thing. And depending on your age and background, you either know that story from the Charlton Heston film, Ten Commandments, or you know it from the cartoon in the 90s uh, with the Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey song. So whichever that is, it's written by Moses, and it's the book of beginnings. Genesis deals with how we got here. And, and we think of it as a book of how we got here, but really you should say it's a book of how they got here. The they being the Jewish people. There is a saying that goes around the church that says the Bible is God's love letter to you. And I understand it, and I at times sympathize with the sentiment, but it's not really true. I've talked about this quite a bit on other podcasts, but a love letter is about the person it's addressed to, and in some ways it's about the person it's from, but you're the star. If you get a love letter, I've never gotten a love letter, but my wife and I send flirtatious texts often. And it's about her. I sent her a text. It's, it's towards her. It's about her. But the Bible isn't about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. The Bible is about God creating a world. And then when that world falls into sin and rebellion and death, it is about God loving that world so much that he sets about a plan of rescue and redemption And he himself enters his creation and pays the price that his creation's sin had deserved. And then, looking forward to Jesus' return and setting up his rule and reign and making things right, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Audience matters. Moses wasn't writing to you. He wasn't writing to me. You can't read through the book of Genesis or any book of the Bible, but the book of Genesis and go, oh, what is it that Moses was trying to say to me? Nothing. He was writing to his people. Now, does that mean that we can't gain truth? Does that mean that there aren't applications to be made? Absolutely. Because the Bible deals with things that are universally true. And so there are lessons that we can learn that would still be very, very applicable and timely in our day. But beyond universal truth, there's also times when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to his people. And you see this in the Gospels. Matthew is the most blatant about this. Paul, in his writings, is is along the same lines, where God's Holy Spirit spoke to them and they saw something in the Scripture that you go, wait, where did you get that? But, But the Lord spoke to them. And there have been times where... I've preached a sermon and somebody's come up to me and when you said this and you were talking about this thing, it really spoke to me and I'm going in my head, I don't think I talked about that. I think that might have been just been God speaking to you. Um, but 
uh, and I've had that where I've read the scripture, I've heard somebody preach a sermon or, or teach a Bible study, and I've been like, oh, the Lord's speaking to me. And it may not have even been anything that the whole thing was about. It was just the Spirit of God using the Word of God to speak into my life. But it's important to understand that Moses is writing to his people, the people of Israel, and he was telling them, how did you get here? Because Moses wrote these books after the Exodus. They've been freed from captivity in Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And now Moses is beginning to write down for them, here's how we got here, Genesis and the first part of Exodus. Here's where we're going. Also, Genesis is in the first part of Exodus because he's telling them, hey, this, this land that our forefathers came from, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is what it was like, and this is where they lived, and this is what they did. So he's reconnecting them as they've been cut off as an oppressed people, and now he's reconnecting them with their heritage and with their history. This is where we've been. This is where we're going. And this is what we're going to do when we get there. And the original audience matters. And understanding that will help give us clarity as we study the word of God. You know, when, we, when I study a book of the Bible, I want to know, hey, who wrote it? What kind of book is it? Genesis is a book of history. The Psalms are a book of poetry. They're song lyrics. Two different genres. So I approach them differently. So I would go, who wrote it? What kind of book is it? Who's it written to? What's happening? All of these things inform because I could just pull random Bible verses that will just say whatever I want them to say. Or I can have an understanding of these bigger ideas to help me understand what I am reading. Now, what are the landmines in the book of Genesis? Genesis has some obvious ones. The first 11 chapters are chock full of them. Did God create the earth in a literal six days? Or is that sort of this mythology that the people understood and really God created the earth using evolutionary means. Did God really flood the entire earth and only one man and his family got into a boat with two of every kind of creature and that's all that survived? Or is that a localized myth or legend based off of a tribe's experience with a major flooding catastrophe? Those are some big landmines. Those are the landlines people most often think of. But, you know, when we went through the book of Genesis a couple years ago on Sunday mornings, there's also landmines in terms of how ancient people acted versus modern norms. There's slavery, there's patriarchy, there's violence, there's idolatry, there's sexual immorality. And that's just with the good guys. There's all kinds of landmines in it. Now, you may say, well, Adam, what's the answer to all that? Did God really flood the earth? Did, did God really create the world in six days or did he use evolution? The first 11 chapters deal with ancient history, even ancient history for the people with Moses. I have no trouble believing that there was a massive, even global flooding catastrophe. Every ancient culture across the globe, has a flood narrative. Uh, and, and Noah, Gilgamesh, whatever you want to call it, this, these ancient narratives exist all throughout history. I have a friend who's incredibly skeptical of just about everything. And he's a history major. And we were talking once and I said, hey, what do you think about the flood? You know, you're a smart guy. You're a history major. And yet you don't believe anything. You're skeptical of anything and everyone you meet. What do you think about it? He said, of course the flood happened. 
And that was surprising to me because I know some people who are incredibly unskeptical and who are, you know, just like the opposite of my friend. And they're like, oh, yeah, the flood probably is just a myth. And he's like, oh, of course it happened. Really, why do you think that? Historian, skeptical friend of mine. And he said, because it's in history. He, said, he says, does the Bible need it to, to be, you know, everything that we've made it out to be? But obviously something happened. So that's my take on all of this. But the bigger question to me is, where is Jesus seen in the book of Genesis? Now, when we're talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, there are two distinct meanings. First is that we can look back and we can understand where Jesus is working. For example, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was not only there at the creation of all things, but he was the creator. In the beginning, John chapter 1 was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by him. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. But we don't see that by reading Genesis. We only understand that by reading the teachings of the apostles later on. At the same time, we do see Jesus directly. There are times where God interjects himself directly in humanity. And twice in the book of Genesis, God appears in human form to Abraham in Genesis 18 and to Jacob in Genesis 32. In Genesis 18, a man appears with two traveling companions and he sits and he eats with Abraham and then those two companions go and they head towards the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, but this other one stays and walks and talks with Abraham and Abraham understands that he is talking with God. In Genesis 32, it says that Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with this man all night and at the end he declared, I have wrestled with God. This is the, there's a big church word called a Christophany. And a Christophany is a word that somebody came up with and thought they sounded smart by coming up with a word. And just, it's just a word that means a pre-New Testament appearance of Jesus. There are times here in Genesis, you can also think of uh, the book of Daniel with the fiery furnace, uh, and, and other times where it seems like Jesus is appearing. And so our best guess, we're not claiming this is absolute, 100% locked, but our best guess, our best understanding is that there were times where Jesus, who lives outside of space and time as God, you know, appeared. And there's no problem with that, that, that God could easily have that happen. And so that's our best guess. So you want to know where Jesus is seen in the book of Genesis? He is seen indirectly as we look back and we know from the, the teachings of the apostles that Jesus was actively involved in the creation of all things, however that happened. And by the way, if, if you're really, some people, there are some Christians who would be really tripping out uh, that I am not firmly holding to a, uh, you know, young earth, six-day creation kind of view of things. And there would be other Christians that would be really disturbed that I am still even open to the idea that those things happened. I'm happy to talk to anyone about it. I have, I think, a complex view, but you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com. So some of the things we look back and we see where Jesus is working from the teachings of the apostles, some of the things we look and where we can see where God is interjecting himself in what we would call a Christophany. And in other ways, we can see our need for Jesus. When Adam and Eve sinned and they fell into sin, God told them there is going to come one who will defeat the enemy. And that's the first prophecy of the Messiah, who we know to be Jesus. 
And, and throughout it, you can see where people try to save themselves, try to make things right on their own, and they fail, and they fail, and they fail, and only Jesus has never failed. The book of Genesis, Moses is telling the people how they got here. And in so many ways, we can understand, oh, this is how we got here. That from very ancient times, from the very beginning, human beings have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of the great love that God has for us, he lowered himself, he humbled himself, he became a man. And he died so that we would live and have life everlasting. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points podcast. New episodes are released every week. We're going to do episodes for each book of the Bible, plus episodes that cover big um, overview sections of the Bible, like last week's episode covered the first five books as a section. If you have Bible questions, you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com. I could answer them directly, or it might just become a, a good topic for a side episode of this podcast. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Starting Points Podcast.